Welcome back to another thrilling and exciting episode of Dude, Where's My Drift? Uh, this We have now aired 15 episodes, which means y'all know what this is. It's time for another sit-down GM chat. This week, joining me is going to be the Double Doge playing our residential Sharu biohacker doctor, Dr. Sam Lee. Is it really 15 episodes? Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my I gosh. Know. It doesn't feel like it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, if you really counted the bonus episodes, uh, it's 19. That's, uh, I gotta start making more clips. I'm a little behind. <laughs> I'm on, like, episode 5. I mean, to be fair, you did come into it pretty late. So, you know, you, yeah. got, you got time. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, our last session on the 14th, that was episode 16 and 17. Okay. Jeez, wow, yeah. Mm -hmm. It does not feel like we should have almost 20 episodes already. No. What was the one that came out? 13 came out this week? Yeah. Uh, it was like thir 13. It should be 14 today, or yesterday, I think. No, Either way. Like, it, has yeah. paranoid. it was, uh, I actually remembered what happened during it, so it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was episode 14. I fought the lice and the lice lost. Yeah, yeah. Probably one of the more obscure song lyrics that I've twisted for all these titles. It, I uh, I was surprised by it, but uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a bad choice. Oh, so you recognized it? I did. Yes. Some good old Monster Hospital. Yes. I was just uh, digging through my music file, like trying to decide what song do I want to use for this. I can't think of anything good that's appropriately punny, so I'll just force something. <laughs> And then I saw Magic, I'm like, I've been hearing, they've been talking about this a lot in the Cosmic Crit Discord lately. This will be perfect. Yeah. They always have good, uh, Patrick is really good at coming up with all their intros and stuff like that. Amazing. I don't know how he does it. Like, I think he's mentioned he has like a file of just, here are my introductions for this entire season. Like, Yeah, I mean, it probably helps that he's a librarian, so he just probably <laughs> could just sit there and you know, brainstorm at work. True. That is I don't true. know what librarians do, so he probably has more to do than that. I don't want to shame the guy or anything. Uh, I mean, yeah, I have no idea. Well, I mean, they obviously, you know, they help people find books. They process people checking out books and things like that. And I, I don't know. I'm sure he has a lot. He does a lot. Yeah. I mean, he does all the editing for Cosmic Crit, too, so. Yeah, that's true. And that's a job and a half on its own, right? Yeah, if this podcast has taught me anything, yeah, they they edit. I think a, a not a lot more than we do, but they edit a fair amount. Yeah. Well, it also helps that they've been doing it for a lot longer than us, and like, if I understand, they basically just rarely they kind of just hit record and they play for what would be an episode, and they call it done. Yep. But they yeah. have a lot of breaks and stops. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've they've been doing it a while. Yeah, just a little bit of time. Only 200 some odd episodes. I've listened to every single one. <laughs> I cannot say that. I did not listen to much of season two. Like, last year or the year before they were my most listened to podcast on Spotify? I think it was last year. I'm sure if I use Spotify to listen to my podcast, they'd probably be my most listened to because I didn't start listening to them until maybe December of last year. Yeah, because that was my I 
binged them. So yes, whenever absolutely. I joined in on them last year, whenever that was, that I mean, that was a lot of binging. And I've, I mean, I listened to them week to week this time. So mm-hmm. yeah, same. So I want to say it was either end of last year or beginning of this year is when I first started listening to them. I binged straight through. I started with season three, and then I went back and listened to season one, and then I got. Uh, and that was probably show after they started season four is when I was working on season one. I listened to that between their new episodes at that point. Yeah. And then of course, then there's Deadman Roll No Crits. I am not caught up on Deadman Roll No Crits. I need to catch up. I, I can't remember where I'm at on it because I've listened to it on so many different apps. I've lost my <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I, so I'm caught up in both of them. I mean, I basically, I get a, that's my Mondays as I listen to those two shows and then I go back and start listening to other shows I'm trying to binge through and then Tuesday I have another show I listen to and then every other Wednesday I have a new has a new episode that I listen to for another show yeah I've uh I've got quite a few podcasts I listen to because of because of my work so I, I yeah. listen to a lot <laughs> yeah see I mostly just listen to my own driving so like once I hit 10 podcasts releasing every single week I'm kind of like I'm out of time for listening more to new stuff I I probably <laughs> I'd say I can probably get a solid five to six hours of podcasts a day, depending on how often I have to like pause them and stop them from people talking to me. So oh, that's pretty. That's pretty good, though. I can binge through podcasts pretty yeah, quickly. Absolutely. Jeez. Yeah. Nope. Again, I work with the public. I can't. I can't have headphones in while I'm working. Unfortunately. Yeah, we're we're not supposed to be unapproachable, but I always just I have like a little uh, ear pod, so I just have one at a time. Yeah, but I mean, you also probably don't get bothered that you're working here as much as I do on a regular no, basis. No, not yeah. I mean, I don't work retail. Uh, the mice don't bug me too much. <laughs> Honestly, if the mice at your work started talking, I'd be really concerned. I would be too. I'd be very concerned about the research we're doing. <laughs> but we don't. But you know, not a lot of talk about that. <laughs> but uh, all right. So the same thing I've asked everyone so far. Um, what kind of got your interest started with tabletop role playing games? Um, I I probably have a slightly weirder path than some of the others and the the crew. Um, not too much weirder, um, <clears throat> but back in back in high school, I started playing uh, the computer game uh, Star Wars Jedi Academy. Uh, that would have been around 2006 or so, you know. And I started I started playing it in like you know the traditional like team deathmatch free for all style modes. All right, fair enough. But Go then one on day. Yeah, then one day I came across a role-playing server and I uh, did the typical thing gamer bros do is I gave the nerds a bunch of trouble and got kicked from their server a couple times. But then like like three weeks later, I came back under a different name and I just kind of hung out and I was like, uh, it's a role-playing server where they they basically role-play the essentially like the day-to-day life of like a Jedi student at a Jedi Academy. Um, and just watching it, I got hooked on that 
character creation, the character building, and just the character interactions. Because you know, it's uh, it, it was done, you know, all text based through the in-game chat, and then I joined it, and that was in you know 2006 and 2007, give or take, my like late high school period, mm-hmm. uh, and that. That was like the bulk of my role playing, like true role playing experience up until uh, I got back from South Africa in roughly 2013 or so, 2014, when um, my good friend from like elementary school invited me to come play in his Pathfinder game, um, who you've talked to now. Um, and. Uh, basically, I got I got hooked on first edition Pathfinder pretty quickly, uh, where we had a uh, pretty long running campaign for at least a year or two, uh, like a, a whole like a homebrew campaign where we would play every week for like eight hours. It was one wow. of those. Campaigns. Oh, that, yeah. that's. Uh, I was gonna say, I mean, you're still playing with most of that group too, aren't you? Uh yeah, most of us are still <clears> together. <throat> We've kind of it's a whole new uh campaign now we kind of have this really cool little setup that uh my friends uh kind of designed that's kind of like an, an, an it, the concept of it is eventually like a, essentially like a adventuring guild so people can like if people aren't available for a session they don't have to show up but we also usually have plenty of people anyway so it's it's a nice way to have a table that accommodates people with children and jobs and all the different stuff that comes into that. Yeah. And then I remember I remember when Starfinder was announced. That was uh we were playing that campaign and I remember being like, oh man, I I'm a big sci-fi nerd. I love fantasy, you know, I you know, but sci-fi is that's it for me. I love. I absolutely love sci-fi stuff. So when Starfinder was announced, I was like, "Oh man, we got to do that at some point. That'll be so much fun." And then yes. we never did it. We never did it. Then you never uh, did it. It just oh, never man. happened. Um, <laughs> and I can't remember when it was. Uh, it would have been, you know, a year or so ago. When I, I think I came across, I was diving into all the different popular. Uh, real play podcasts and eventually i came across cosmic crit and uh that that was it for me for starfinder that 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 was like oh i gotta get my own game i gotta like be like i started doing society play and then this uh this past year i my new year's resolution was to run a complete adventure path so uh to make it easy for myself i chose junker's delight because it's only (laughs) one book (laughs) It's only one book, but still a complete adventure path. Mm-hmm. It just contains we're across a whole bunch of other books. We're still not done yet. <laughs> uh oh, getting a little low on time there. Uh, I will. I'll finish. I think I got two, about two sessions left. I think okay. will be good. I think yeah. Now, granted, that you also like added a whole bunch of crap to it too, from what I from what I understand. Yeah, I've kind of. Uh... I guess spoilers for who hasn't played Junkers Delight. I kind of changed the uh, the big uh, boss at the end, uh, Drotrulu. Drotrulu? Drotrulu. Um, and I replaced him with my own mob boss type character that I kind of want to see if I can 
continue and carry through my various campaigns if he survives. Um, if he survives, that's always the big question when you try and like create a homebrew villain to end something with. It's like if they survive, they keep going. If they yeah. don't, well, yeah. all right. So, uh, what first like bit you with the game mastering bug? Was it just uh, you wanted to try it, or I I think it's the same thing a lot of people get, where you want to play the game and nobody wants to GM for you, so you're like, well, I guess I got to do it. Like, you know, there's mm-hmm. you know, if you want, I like I want to play Starfinder. Well, we're currently playing Pathfinder. He doesn't want to learn a whole new system while playing Pathfinder, so I was like, well, I guess I'll learn Starfinder and then I'll hold games on different weekends, and there we go, and. And with my uh, the, that Star Wars role-playing thing I did, uh, I was doing that up until like two years ago. I, I, I stopped like two years ago. And I, my, my character in that game got to the point where I was writing content for other people. So my character was like a Jedi master. He was like mm-hmm. 100 years old, basically. So I was like <laughs> writing and running essentially like mini games for people um you know like students and stuff you know get your crystals and learn force abilities all that type of stuff you know and um that since that's was not really a like a tabletop system it was more based on like game mechanics from that video game and then just the dash of role playing on top of it mm-hmm. um it kind of was like a natural transition into tabletop because there is still that like especially with the Paizo systems, the uh, the game mechanic approach where you can kind of, you can play it like a game if you wanted. And it, it's, I think it's always good to have that idea that, yes, it is it is a game. You can play it like a game, but also you can sprinkle that nice bit of role play on top too. Yep, absolutely. Like, especially Paizo games, you can role play so much with them. They're, just, they're just absolutely wild and crazy and like so well-crafted worlds, worlds and that they created with Galarian and even like the little codex worlds in the back of all the adventure paths with Starfinder. It's like, yeah, it's two pages, but there's a lot of information in those two pages. Yeah. No, I, I was just uh uh in my my Discord I have, I was talking to someone earlier. They sent me a link about uh what would uh um uh, a game show ran by uh like beholders or something be called. So I like oh, no. quickly pulled up my one of my folders where I have uh some of the stuff about Eox and Zoe and all his <laughs> games. I was like, Pathfinder or Starfinder basically already has a lot of that type of stuff. Yes, <laughs> it does. And it's, it's just great because it's just small details that like you don't think about, but then, oh, well, here's a reference to it that I can just, here we go. And Paizo created an entire game show host personality just to broadcast that, hey, you need somebody to show up. Here you go. We have one ready for you. Yeah, it's and and Zoe is such a fun, crazy concept of a character of this like undead zombie type that just wants to be the best reality TV show host he can be. <laughs> yes, he just he's the re- he is the reality TV show. So that's what he wants to live up to. Yep. Whereas most people think we're just kind of be forced into that, but nope that's that's his dream. That's also why I'm like I'm super excited for uh, Ports of Call uh, coming out next year, which is going to have a whole bunch, like just a bunch of NPCs like Zoe. They're mm-hmm. going to introduce for people to use for games and stuff like that. Yeah. As well as introducing Galarian World. Uh, 
I, I don't know anything about Ports of Call. I just Googled it. When does that come out? May. When did they announce this? Oh, they, I want to say they announced it the same time they did Interstellar Species with uh, Pisocon. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a long, it's a long time away, but... So it looks like a birthday present for me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I just all the stuff that Paizo as a company has done and uh their their material is outside of just the game itself, uh all the material is truly fantastic and they have such a great approach towards doing things that is it's fun without being like overly challenging, but it's also like very inclusive, all all the different things about it. There's, I mean, it's absolutely inclusive. There are so many LGBTQ plus uh, NPCs and backstories and characters all over the place in Paizo products. It's just wonderful to see. I, I love that uh, the usage. Um, and this goes back to like first edition too. Like all the class descriptions don't use he. Most, a lot of them use she. Uh, and even with Pi, uh, with second edition, uh, it's even more. I don't want to say generic, more, more inclusive than just saying uh, he or she. They, I can't remember what the specific phrase they use, but they don't reference a, a single pronoun at all with the second edition classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it really is great to see. Like they just, with all the second edition classes, it's just straight up, it's second person. It's saying you and your, this yeah. is your stuff. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to keep, keep talking as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I can talk a lot sometimes. <laughs> tell me what, tell me where you got the idea for Dr. Sam Lee. Like, why did you decide to go biohacker and Osharu? I know, like, obviously, Dr. McCoy is a huge influence, but, like, <laughs> give me the details on all this. Well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I also, along with the, like, New Year's resolution of running an adventure path, I also, like, challenged myself over the past like year or two to try to play every time I play a tabletop like campaign or character, try to do something I haven't done yet before. Like even just like vague concepts, just try to do stuff completely different. So like my one Pathfinder game I have, I have a cobalt rogue who specializes in dagger throwing, which is mechanically terrible in Pathfinder. Yeah. It's 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 really hard to be good at throwing daggers in first edition. Uh, uh, I've I've kind of made it work with some homebrew stuff, but um, with with the the approach towards Sam Lee, and then I I kind of knew what everybody else was bringing to the table vaguely, and I was like, okay, I kind of want to play more of a support role. Okay, let's do biohacker, and then I'm like, well, I personally have a pretty large science background so it would be kind of fun and annoying towards a gm to be able to pull my own (laughs) science background into a character to get a little bit more of that immersion because like i don't want to say like i'm super smart know what i'm talking about but i do i mean i I have a like college degree in science so like i know some of the stuff uh absolutely more than i do i work in a research facility so like i know some of it and i think that was the big push was the the the, just the general theme behind biohacker is very much like that support role that is very much a you know a person who's supporting via science 
and not necessarily via magic or mechanics uh, like some of the other classes do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why I chose Usharu. I think I was just trying to min-max a little bit there. I think they had a beneficial stat distribution. So I was like, okay, I could be a slug person. That works. It's different. It's fun. I don't remember uh, what specifically about that race really drew me towards it. But I, I love Starfinder because of the aliens and just the sheer variety of just weird things you can be. Yes, because I mean, again, there's well over a hundred different, hundred twenty, hundred twenty-four, hundred twenty-four playable yeah. species. And it's just mind blowing because, like, yeah, granted, yes, there are a lot of like insect insectoid type ones, but then there's also and there's a lot of reptile ones. But each one of them feels they different. Seem very different, yeah. Because you you started off in the core races with the the Sheeran. And now you have like the Trox and then the uh, what's the other ones from Caster the Formians? Yeah, there's the Trox, the Formians. Uh, there's the moth moth one that's in the interstellar species. I can't remember what they're called right yep. now. There's Desimar. Yeah, and then you know a slug race is pretty pretty interesting. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I've ever seen. Uh, you know, you always have all the anthropomorphic. You know races out there, but I've never seen the anthropomorphic slug. So, no, you might have a good point on that one. I, I really don't think they have because I mean, well, let's say some most people don't think about wanting humanoid <laughs> slugs. Well, and there's a uh, I'm gonna I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, there's a species of sea slug. Um, uh, the a family of sea slugs called uh, Nudibranch, Nudibranch, um, mm-hmm. and they—it's uh, N-U-D-I-B-R-A-N-C-H. Um, <clears throat> but they are absolutely gorgeous animals. They like are slightly iridescent. They're all flowy, and like they have all these weird little bits hanging off them that they just look beautiful. Um, so they directly inspired my concept visually for. Uh, Samely. Okay. And again, like getting into like attention to detail, the fact that uh, Asharu straight up have a weakness to, to salt. Yeah. You haven't used that yet, and I'm very thankful for it. <laughs> I mean, there's not really been a good situation to use it in, but no, don't worry. I, ha- I have some ideas. I'm trying to feel like if uh, I- I've been trying to think in my head, like, is, is Samely. Uh, is he scared of salt or is it just uh or if he is he just aware that it hurts i i haven't decided how he's actually going to react in those moments <laughs> and it'll be interesting to see like if we if we do get to that point of i mean and you gotta wonder like how does that affect the culinary lifestyle of a charter if they can't if they take damage from salt water yeah i mean it and it you also have to look myself from the science perspective salt is such a generic term from the science like mindset so what type of salt like there's different types of salt uh and obviously Pizer doesn't clarify that it's you know whatever type of salt uh so it's just that mindset in my head like it could be anything it could be like a random mineral salt that's very uncommon or it could be like salt water like just you know mm-hmm. sodium and water like 
I like that's just such a standard si- like spice. Like it's the basis to seasonings for everything under the sun. And it's just yeah. in our world, it's like, so what do you eat? How bland is your food? I mean, we already had that one uh, lamprey try to eat uh, Sam Lee. And uh, I think we said Sam Lee was <laughs> bad tasting because the lamprey, I think, rolled a nat one or something like that. <laughs> that is true. The uh, asteroid lice. Yeah. Oh, those things were so gloriously horrifying to look at. I love it. They look like lampreys. I don't know if you ever looked at a lamprey. Don't do it. Uh-uh. <laughs> they, yeah. I mean, I mean, it, they just reminded me of leeches of a leech. Uh, yeah, it's it's lamprey adjacent. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So you told me a little bit about Sam Lee's backstory. Yes. And you said you didn't want it to be overly tragic. I did not. And then I started writing. And then what happened? Well, I had that. I wrote you that, you know, that page or whatever, where it's like this snapshot in his life through various years. Mm-hmm. And and the idea was just like, he he's, his life itself isn't tragic. But the life he could have lived kind of is. Um, and I, when I started writing it, that was not my intention. It just started happening. That I love character writing. And um, by the time I got to that, the end, I was like, ah, oh, I, I made this kind of sad now. And I didn't mean to do that. And Sam Lee's not supposed to be a sad character. Like, he himself is not a sad person. So I don't think it's, like, greatly affected him in that manner. But... It's also been a few years. I mean, yeah, like I mean, we it, the death of his brother would have been. I have never actually defined when it would have been beforehand, but I mean, he they've been on that one. They were at that one research station for at least a year, so it's probably been longer than that. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely a time like come to grips and cope with it as well. Mm-hmm. Except the responsibility for him fucking up. <laughs> Except that there's nothing he could have done because his brother kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. And we'll, you know, we've seen a little bit of that, and we'll probably see a little bit more here and there as we go through. I tried uh, to write uh, a little bit for you to use. I think that's what what happened is I was like trying to write a little bit of like GM hook, and I think I just wrote too much, and it just turned sad. <laughs> but it does work. It did give me some good hook for just things I can throw at Stanley on occasion. Yeah. But uh so what how how do you think Stanley views his kind of found family here at this point? Like obviously he's been with uh Gator and Brain Zero for over a year while they're working at the research station. But then Simber just kind of showed up out of nowhere on a derelict starship and got rescued. <laughs> yeah. I and I Treb was an engineer on the Murata before it got merged in with the uh, primordial, so I think it's like a weird I th- I think he Sam Lee is one of those types of people that definitely represents people or respects people who uh have a I don't want to say a useful skill set because I think everybody has a useful skill set but it's definitely the idea of like <clears throat> he he's coming from the research field so if you are able to like contribute in any manner he appreciates the fact that you're there um so with his you know, I guess work relationship with uh, both Reno and Gator. I mean, they they 
they all work together. Maybe maybe before that this uh adventure, maybe he wasn't the closest with them, but he at least probably knew who they were and was, you know, appreciative of everything they did. Uh but with the uh the introduction of Simber and how we we introduced her in the the early start there, it's just I don't know if Sam Lee really knows what he thinks of Simber yet, especially as she's we're learning slowly is that she's like this, uh, you know, entity working for the uh, chaotic end of the whole universe, essentially. And we're, we're just slowly piecing that together bit by bit. And Sam Lee probably doesn't want the whole universe to end. To end. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a pretty terrible time for everybody. <clears throat> yeah. And then with, with, uh, with Treb, I mean... I feel like Sam Lee and Treb probably got off to a rough start with the whole organic, non-organic stuff. <laughs> uh, because uh, Sam Lee is especially squishy. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's very fleshy. He very, very fleshy. And, uh, but their knowledge sets and how they've so far been able to work together to figure out some of these uh, shenanigans we've gotten ourselves into at this point. He's probably definitely respects Treb's uh, approach towards things more than some of the others at times. Would you say that Sam Lee is actually a little bit like, not just Simber being an uh, avatar for the destruction and the end of the universe, but just in general, a little bit scared of Simber? I, it, honestly, there's probably, I don't want to say it's like an actual fear, but there's probably like a, like a legitimate hesitation about giving Simber too much access to things and too much, uh, I don't want to say too much freedom, but too much uh, agency to be able to do what they want to do in that sense. Because, yeah, it's, you know, Sam Lee is a good-hearted person. He he wants the best for everybody. And, you know, he's, he's a doctor. I mean, he's also, like, he's a medical doctor, too. Like, his whole thing is... If he can help people, he will. And I don't know if Simber has that same uh, mentality. <laughs> do you think that there's? Just, do you think Stanley would like be ever trying to like help Simber kind of become a little less? How can we say a little less chaos incarnate? I I think Sam Lee is one of those types of people that maybe his thought is his. His presence and uh, his um, like uh, like yeah, his presence would maybe be something that Simber would maybe like look to for inspiration. You know, maybe mirror a little bit. I mean, we've already seen Simber and Gator kind of start mirroring each other a little bit. So maybe uh, Sam Lee thinks he can rub off on Simber a little bit. Interesting. So, how is Sam Lee kind of just viewing their whole situation right now? It's like one nice thing about having these face out as I'm doing them, and like we're literally recording these after so much things have happened at different points in time. It's just like a good chance for the different players to give their opinions on what's going on and what's coming next at different points of the game itself. Well, and yeah, it's definitely interesting because Sam Lee. The Asharu's 
they uh i can't remember the god off the top of my head um i'm a bad bad pc um but they've uh shamley samley follows the whatever god i'm gonna have to look it up real quick uh which is basically like the god of like science and research um it's not just uh, triune it's not i don't think it was triune uh uh waden that's it waden yes yeah, discovery equality exploration and freedom yeah so um so sam lee is like he's excited because we're treading ground in a way that as far as sam lee knows has never really been treaded before um you know we're dimension hopping or multiverse hopping and now we're time traveling supposedly and so it's it's that yeah he's just the scientist in him wants to be able to slow down and take more notes but he realizes that they're also you know life or death situation right now well i can say with absolute assurity that indeed you guys have traveled to the future That is a kind of crazy. Yes, it is. <clears throat> like this, just this absolute the ship that you guys have wound up on. I I love this the lore and everything that uh, the writers have given to this. Like just this thing, this engine that has merged from a result of basically the drift, the drift no longer working properly. At the same time, the two different ships were trying to jump into the, jump into some form of hyperspace travel of, of opposing forces and just nope yeah. all may, almighty being deus ex machina just slams it together and then gives you something completely unpredictable mm -hmm. which it works for this type of adventure that they're trying to create and do and everything like that because i mean this whole thing has just been like this whole entire first book the uh, perfect storm it's literally just lost in space yeah and it's you know when we <clears throat> we started popping into what was it Avernus, and mm -hmm. like w what a worse place is there a worse <laughs> place to pop into initially? Like we're gonna just drop into the like, the hell dimension just for a quick stay. Like oh, and we also accidentally uh, crushed some major <laughs> hell demon's uh, sibling. Like, oh, no big deal. I'm sure that's not going to come back and bite us in the ass here. In oh, no, not at all. Mm -mm. Yeah, you guys don't have anything to fear about that, especially with our last session that I think ended with uh, picking up a ship appearing on your scanners that was identified as the Infernal Directive. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely yeah, not. Nah. Yeah, we we can diplomacy our way out of this one, just like we did those glitch gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> I think that has been some of my favorite just... 20 minutes of roleplay we've done so far. I don't even know how it happened. <laughs> it, 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 that was a thing that happened. I think there was just like good roll or two and people were like, let's just keep going. It might just keep working. That's, that's just it. It was so many bad rolls first that were just, these are fails. These are fails. You, you guys are constantly failing here. And then they did, I think it was an intimidation check. December finally rolled and it finally was a success. I'm like, all right, you guys got this. Yeah. But uh, where 
So seeing where all you've come from so far, you know, you... Which granted, this is like still probably the most iconic opening for any of the venture paths that I've read. And I've read the openings to most of them, like the whole starting with your ship is getting boarded by pirates and then suddenly you're in hell. Like it's just such a hit the ground running opening. And like this book just takes you so far and all around and all over the place. Where do you think the uh, adventure is going to go from here? Oh, God, I I really just want us to be like dropped onto a planet with like no access to like technology and we have to go like go primitive for a little bit like i feel like it would just be like all right everyone grabs your uh uh short sword and shields we're gonna just start you know we're, we're switching to pathfinder second edition here for a little <laughs> bit let's, let's have fun guys hold on let me just curl some notes down really quick for uh interlude <laughs> between the books like I, I think the idea of you know we jumped into the future here you know whatever 300 years into the future being able to jump back into the past like like pre-gap or something like that would be kind of it would be bonkers like really cool to see uh or even potentially jump back into like the middle of the gap and maybe have an effect on what causes that whole uh the debacle like i know that's one of the that's one of the big mysteries paizo doesn't really want to define because yep. i know they want to keep it open for their tables but yeah just like uh what is it in pathfinder that's like yeah this really wild and crazy thing happened here but we're never gonna tell you what it was yeah yeah well it's like the uh i can't yeah there's something else i can't remember what it was but yeah it's just the same thing it's like it's more interesting for us to keep it blank and then people can fill it in at their tables however they want to do it mm -hmm. which yeah, that's... i love that aspect like even with uh when uh drift crisis came out earlier this year and they're like yes here is what causes the drift crash but if you want to do whatever you want here's different things you can do and how you could evolve from that yep and uh honestly homebrew starfinder adventure you know once some far way down the road path is going to be us exploring what happened and cause the gap yeah i mean it's it's the natural direct it should be like the natural direction of like i feel every table playing starfinder long term is what happened to the gap why does this god not remember who he was for however many years <laughs> yeah why why did now these deities want to tell us what happened how did this happen, and who's this new guy that's on these merging of three different deities? Well, like my one of my favorite things is uh, is it Galactic Magic that has all the gods in it? And uh, it has, yes. uh, my my favorite Pathfinder god, Caden Kalian, who is basically the accidental god who became a god because he went on an adventure and did super well, and now he's like the god of partying. Um, but and and the star uh, obviously that's a summation. But in the Starfinder post gap, he's now like the god of like lost souls because he basically like his whole thing is like I'm gonna run a tavern to bring people together because this is all I got and this is all I can give because I don't even remember where I'm coming from. But I know I like the drink and people like the drink with me, so let's do that. Sorry, I'm actually reading up on that right now. I'm, I'm like, yeah, basically. 
yeah it's a cool it's a super cool concept taking a you know essentially the god of partying and like now he's like essentially the god of found family mm-hmm. he supports those afflicted by substance abuse and other self-destructive coping mechanisms yeah it's he's he just wants people to be better <laughs> i love amazing. it yeah and there's such massive pantheon in general anyway too it's, it's so big and it's it's so like diversely inspired like you know pulling from all these different mythos of you know like actual mythology and stuff like that and all these religious pantheons and stuff like that and then you have guys like as i said like caden kalian who is like the accidental god who basically like <laughs> I went on an adventure, and at the end of the adventure, I hit level 20 and became God. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's also kind of what happened with uh, Arosny. Yeah, it's... Only it's, rather than become the God of Partying, she became the goddess of revenge. Well, and I was reading earlier, because I was talking to uh, some friends about Zoe, and what, like, what the big theory about Zoe's... Uh, reality tv empire is that zoe's trying to get to godhood basically by being the god of reality tv shows like <laughs> which is like that's amazing like you have this un- i don't remember if zoe's actually a librian or whatever but like you have this undead zombie dude who's basically trying to become god a god by uh having people fight to the death on camera <laughs> That, I mean, that, that's just amazing. Hold on a second. Where can I find, can I find him? Zoe? I don't know where you'd find Zoe at. He's in, yeah, he's in Pact Worlds. Yeah. And... Is he in Pact Worlds? Yeah, he came from Pact Worlds. He's in the one uh, Dead Sons book, too, when they go Actually, to Actually, he is not. That was... Um... Something that Patrick added in on Cosmo Crit. Really? Yep. Uh, son of a bitch. Him and his writer. <laughs> he should probably write a Starfinder book. I know. That'd be amazing. Uh, yes, he is indeed an Alibrian. We just had to be curious, so I had to go look that up really quick. Because <clears throat> Back to World is one of the few books I actually have physical copies of. I also have a physical copy of it. <laughs> He is an Alibrian Necrovite. So he's the same thing as uh, Gavrok Nor. Yeah. The other popular uh, cosmic crit NPC. Yes. Uh, you know, like, I would. Dead Sons is such a mess of an adventure path, and yet it's so iconic because there's been so many different podcasts and shows that have run it because it's the first one. Well, and I don't. Uh... Uh, I think it. I think it was uh, when you when you talked to Clue and he brought up androids and aliens, uh, the Glass Cannon mm-hmm. podcast guys. Uh, I think I started listening to them and Cosmic Crit roughly, roughly around the same time, and obviously they're two very different tables. Oh, uh, very different tables and stories that uh, they told. But by like, yeah, by the end, they felt like two completely different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think because Dead Sons is a little bit more of just like a traditional fantasy adventure, I feel like it still has a bit of that 
flexibility to feel very different based on who's sitting at the table, but I'm very tempted to pick up the uh the new uh book when it comes out, the compilation book. I mean, I'm probably going to pick it up too because I do want to get like all the adventure paths and physical copies, and that will be easier just to do the whole thing for it than just uh, individual cop volumes at this point. But I, I, I would, know. I would love to play it at some point. I would love to run it too, but we'll we'll see. I have to finish my my adventure <laughs> path I'm on now, and then <laughs> I want to do threefold conspiracy, so I got to figure that out also. Yes, which I mean that I would love to do threefold conspiracy at some point. I think I'd much rather play it than run it, but yeah, I feel like if you uh, if you haven't read it and you're able to play it, there's so many cool twists and turns within it that are just it leans hard into that sci-fi aesthetic. That that's why I like Starfinder better than Pathfinder. Like I mm-hmm. I, I like fantasy stuff, but there's that science fiction sprinkled on top of the fantasy just gives you a little bit more to work with i feel like that there's just something so exhilarating about just straight up uh i mean having that extra bit of it's in space it's out you can go all over the place there's all these different planets and it's not just about jumping planes and or going to different continents like nah, you're traveling galaxies yeah you know you you don't have your whatever i mean there's a lot of species now in pathfinder but you know your initial you know your human dwarfs elves drow orcs all those like core races that you had on like the glarian world world and now you have completely different things now in the starfinder universe where you know when i when i was first looking at the the core rulebook and seeing all the core species for starfinder i was just like it's wild like it's so much more different mm-hmm. than I was expecting it to be when I started looking into the system. Yeah, like it's even just like yeah, you still have humans, but then you just have very different things than what you'd normally see, expect to see from a tabletop role playing game. Even something like honestly, Star Wars, I feel doesn't have quite. It has the variety, but the role playing games don't have quite the variety of available no, and, species and to play. I, I've I've got a I've got a bunch of books from one of the Starfinder games. I can't remember which one it is off the top of my head. Um, and it it's based off I think based off three point five, uh, mm-hmm. or three point oh even. Uh, <clears throat> so it's it's very similar. But and Star I love Star Wars because it is such a huge universe and it's so fleshed out if you're willing to learn everything. And man, if I could take my Starfinder or Star Wars knowledge and just switch it over to Starfinder real quick. I'd be I'd I'd know so much more about what I'm doing in Starfinder. I know so much about Star Wars that hurts. <laughs> I mean, that's but you're a fan. That's what you do. Yeah, you learn, I, you learn about what you're excited about. Uh, so outside of exploring the gap, is there anything else you think that uh, might come happen in this way in the adventure path? Um. I think there's going to be uh, some obvious, uh, some drift nonsense where we will probably spend at some point an extended period of time somewhere within the drift uh, once we regain access to it, I feel like. 
<laughs> yeah, I can tell by your face. That's a yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it, it's certainly some kind of nonsense that you're going to spend a certain amount of time somewhere where you're not going to expect it. <laughs> so, something I've started to drop hints about a little bit, especially with the uh, space station you guys have been exploring, is obviously Desna is having some kind of influence here. Yes. How uh, how are you kind of feeling about that? How do you think it's going to play out some more? It's... I wish I knew more about Desna to be able to answer these questions uh, better. Um, I, I f- feel like it's going to get us into like some... Like inner goddle god relationships potentially where you know we're looking into potentially what happens with the drift which is powered by triune or with granted access by triune and now we have desna reaching out to us to do whatever and potentially do whatever um and it's just the idea of you know we're we're about to step into something bigger than we are at this point. I mean, I make the argument you guys have been stepping into something bigger than you are ever since you got boarded by pirates. Yeah, we accidentally smashed that you know uh, Avernus princess or prince or whoever it was. Yep. <laughs> Whoops. Oops. Well, I'm not yeah. the pilot. It's okay. Oh, I'm kind <laughs> no. of the pilot. I am actually kind of the pilot. <laughs> I mean, at that point, the pilot had lost control anyway, so it's okay. It's not the pilot's fault. Uh, you were just, they were just trying to crash land safely. Yeah. Poor little old Sid. <laughs> uh, Dr. Stanley, everybody's the dust, and you have to pick up plain Sid. It's going to be disheartening. Uh, I, I have an, uh, in my game, um, my friend Gabe uh, is the operative in, my, in that party, and uh, he's hell on me as an operative <laughs> and i i hope to channel that same amount of energy to any gm if i ever have to play an operative look you already you already thrown a little bit of hell my way with your uh solarian oh yeah uh, i i want to bring if we uh if we do the uh the dragon one whatever it is uh, uh that just that just came out clash of Dra- no not clash of defy dragon. the dragon yeah it just came yeah, out to defy the dragon uh yeah, I'm bringing him back at level 10. <laughs> That's fair. I already have the PDF. I've opened the physical copy of the book. It's going to be prepped and ready for the future use. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I love me a good... I love me a Solarian. I, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Solarians are my favorite class in Starfinder. Um, you just want to be a Jedi. I would. I just want to be a Jedi, and I also want to blow up every eighteen seconds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's all right. Oh, I I have plans for it all. Don't worry. Because <clears throat> let's face it, most combats aren't going to last those three rounds, or you'll hit the ground that thirteen that third round. You know, that that Junkers game you ran for me, you did a pretty good job of taking me out before I could take you out. <laughs> You were playing the glass cannon wonderfully. Oh yeah, it was that was a brutal game. Yes, it was. It was fun though. Not to minus the twelve hours long brutal. That was probably the worst part. 
<laughs> that was probably the worst part because it was just by the end like i said by, by the end of it i was very much like my, my brain felt like liquid soup. <laughs> yeah yeah i i know uh since i'm running junkers now i know what you cut out for us just to make sure we could hit that 12-hour deadline yep and of course there's what i threw in there extra to also throw some extra challenge on there because doing it with six players yeah yeah, that was that's a, that was a fun game. That Too was... faster on CapEx. <laughs> uh, it was a great game, though. Like I said, if it, we just might very well try and do a two to five the dragon in another marathon session for Koji Con Six. Uh, if uh, if dude, where's my drift? Can show up to CritterCon as a a way to gain and get money for the their charity stuff. I'm all down for it. Yes, absolutely. But that's still a few months away. <sighs> I have a few months to prep and figure out how I'm going to run it in 12 hours. Because <laughs> those will be, these might be some longer fights. Yeah, I don't know how. We should probably practice mech combat at some point. <laughs> I've, I've done mech combat once. I, it's fun, but I, I don't know how. I, I actually almost threw mechs in on um, a Rosny station with the Hell Knights. That'd be f- that would have been fun. Uh, the only mech stuff I've done is in a uh, spoiler, a uh, great grab train robbery. Uh, uh, but that was as a GM, so I didn't really get to mm-hmm. enjoy the fun of it. Although it was still very much very fun to watch the players figure it out. I didn't even get to give them an option for the other endings for that game. I just like, <laughs> oh, we're doing mech combat. I want to do it. You guys have no other choice. I uh, I ran Great Grab Train as a player, and the person who ran it, we did, everyone wanted to do the uh, chase sequence for our ending, and then we, oh, we did the successful sneak out one, Yeah, and then we also did the chase one just to try it out, but then we ran out of time before we could do the mech one. Yeah, that's another adventure I want to run again at some point, just for fun, because it's... But... It pretty short it's pretty goofy it's mm-hmm. it but uh, there there is a mech that you have to fight at the end of system takedown and i did do that one i haven't played that one yet the group i had there just rolled rocks and just absolutely demolished it it's kind of disappointing honestly but it happens sometimes mm. but all right <clears throat> that's enough that so i do have just got, got, you know, with, that, with all of these, I'm doing a little bit of backstory teasing and everything with uh, for the players and for our listeners. Kind of, you know, hint at some more of just what where our players come because the way this adventure is random, there's just not a lot of room for enemies to crop up. You know, yeah. Not not gonna have villains from the past when we're 300 years in the future. <laughs> exactly. Not when you're 300 years in the future or on an entirely other reality. Or yeah, Avernus. Or Avernus. The guy that beat up my brother is coming to visit me in Avernus. <laughs> exactly. But um, no, actually, about that. Oh. <clears throat> so we're going back in time a little ways here. To I guess because judging by what you had sent me, because you did say three. That the uh, Sam Lee, uh, you know, four years before Sam Lee 
or before the current time is when Stanley last saw his brother. Uh, sure. I mean, that's yeah. what you put, put in the hooks you get you sent me. Uh, do yep, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I just don't remember. <laughs> that's fair. But so we're going to be going to a time about five years uh, before our story happens. Uh, Samley is currently on Absalom Station. Or no, he's in Cabaret for medical school, correct? That's, yeah, probably. And he was working on dual doctorates for both his medical license as well as his re- as well as research uh, doctorate. Yeah. yeah. What was his, what, what's his PhD in? Uh, I, f- I never tr- truly decided, but I feel like um, with his biohacker um, focus, um, whatever it's called, uh, the anesthesiology stuff, I feel like he's probably doing more research into um, leaning into like biochemistry and stuff like that, which is my worst subject in real life so i don't know why i'm choosing that one but i could fake it enough <laughs> yes exactly and honestly it like it like it very much fits with his biohackers anesthesiology expertise but uh <clears throat> the time but it's you know it's the time has come how how was sam lee feeling when it was time for him to defend his dissertation He's in that situation, he is probably full on like nervous Nelly. Like he is probably super paranoid that he's gonna say the single wrong word. He's doing the Sharu equivalent of sweating profusely. Like he's probably super nervous because he's kind of a nervous guy overall. Uh you know, he's not twitchy as I've said before, but he's definitely uh he he's aware of how quickly things can go wrong. But uh, he's been working at this. I mean, the fact that he's getting his degree in just like two years is absolutely insane. He's a smart guy. Mm-hmm. And it's about a week before he is due to defend his dissertation when he is approached one day uh, at the cafeteria on campus by what seems to be a Yasoki. And this Yasoki, he stands out among the uh, students here at Cabaret because he is very much not, he's not dressed the the greatest. Um, He's not like he, not in rags and falling apart clothes, but like he definitely seems a bit more rough and tumble than most of what the students would be dressed and presented themselves as. <clears throat> and he just walks straight up to Sam Lee and he just sits there and stands about a step or two away for a moment, just like clears his throat and waits. He like, uh, Sam Lee is probably uh, like <clears throat> data pad in one hand reading and then like eating with the other hand and he just had like one of his like eye stalks kind of 
he kind of slowly turns to look at the guy and says, can I help you? <clears throat> yes. Uh, you, you, uh, you say, uh, you know, each of these stuff, you just kind of squints down on a data pad in their hands. Like, uh, Sham, <clears throat> Shamley, Allen, Aylin. Sam Lee Aolin. Uh, hold on. Kind of... As he kind of wipes his data a little bit. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Sam Lee Aolin. Yes, that's that's me. Are you from the library or somewhere? Or... Oh, no, no. I, I just took an express uh, shuttle here from Absalom Station. I need you to sign these forms, please. And he presents the data pad over to you. I signed the forms. What? Uh, I guess Sam Lee will uh, look over the data pad. This data pad is a loan document specifying your brother, uh, Cowrie, receiving a sum of 50,000 credits with which he will be opening a restaurant. Uh, located within the spike on Absalom Station. The terms of the loan stipulate that he'll have to have a payback within six years at... Well, uh, why don't you roll me a computer check really quick? Uh, okay. Roll. The yeah, level so... three family skills. <laughs> Uh, that's coming up. As you're reading it over, it stipulates that this loan will have to be paid back over the course of five year, years, but at straight up egregious interest rates um, to the point where your calorie will end up paying back closer to 150,000 credits versus the 50,000 loan. And uh, it has shows where your brother's already signed it, and then right next to him is a spot with your name printed. Under boxes says co-signer. Same Lee kind of <clears throat> he kind of looks at it, and he's the mental wheels are turning in his head, and uh, yeah, he just he signs it. He he sits there for a couple like a second or two at most, and then he just. Signs it right away. All right. The Isoki takes the data pad back, looks at down as it. Excellent. Pleasure doing business with you. <clears throat> Sorry for disturbing your lunch. And then he departs. Yeah. Do you try to assembly try to reach out to Kauri afterwards, or is he just too focused on his uh defense? I think he'll uh He'll finish his lunch and then go back to like his uh dorm or apartment <clears throat> um and maybe send a uh a written note or like an email so to speak um and just be like hey i I received this letter or I received um notice of this loan documentation I signed off on it um I'll call you as soon as I get done with my uh, defense, thesis defense. More words than that, but essentially that. Mm -hmm. 
And so you send it off, and uh, <clears throat> sorry, one second. So you send that off, and <clears throat> you receive a notice back like a couple days later, saying uh, from Calvary saying. Oh, thank thank you so much for signing that. Like I know it I know it seems a little weird and crazy. Uh just I mean I just had to get a little extra money for from a bank from the bank to just make sure I could have enough to get things open going. But by the time you graduate, I should have this restaurant fully up and running. It's I can't wait for you to be able to come and visit. I know you're really busy, uh, so you don't need to worry about calling me. I have everything under control. I promise it'll be fine. Uh, Samley will send a quick response that's like, uh, I know you got it, brother. You'll do great. Smiley face. All right, and, um, you don't really hear anything else from him for a little while. Uh, Samley goes to his dissertation defense, and he just crushes it. Like he is absolutely sweating bullets, nervous wreck, has to vomit that morning on while he's waiting for his turn to go in. I don't know but, how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but like absolutely he uh goes in though and he crushes it. Do you notify uh Corey afterwards? I think I think there'd be like a <clears throat> Maybe a day or two afterwards, Sam Lee is trying to figure out his, you know, maybe at the same whole time, you know, Sam Lee's been interviewing for jobs and stuff like that. So he's trying to figure out his his uh, next step after this. So maybe there's a window in time here where uh, Sam Lee will send an email being like, hey, I, I finished I finished my my uh, thesis defense. It went really well. I'm I'm hoping to find a a full job here soon in the next couple of weeks. Uh, in the meantime, I'm I'll be I'll be coming back to Absalom to see you. Um, we can we can talk more when I'm there. Love, Samley. <laughs> and you do smiley. get a response. <laughs> smiley face. Samley signed all of his emails with a smiley face. He's a he's a bad emailer. He uses way too many emoticons. <laughs> Does did he like get a custom set of slug and squid emoticons? No, it it's just like <clears throat> a classic like colon uh parentheses. <laughs> like it doesn't even match his own smiley face. I love it. All right, and sure enough, you get a response back saying, "Hey Sam, that's wonderful to hear. I'm glad you were able to do it. I I'm really busy here, so I'm not going to be able to make it to your graduation ceremony." But I'm, I just want to say that I'm really proud of you. I always knew you could do it. I knew you'd excel and do really great at, you know, being a doctor. And you're going to save a lot of lives and do some really great research and things like that. Uh, I mean, you, and absolutely, you should come visit on Absalom while you're looking around for work. I mean, I'm sure maybe you can find something here and that way you can be local. And, you know, the two of us again, you know, that'd be the two Aeolian brothers rocking out on Absalom Station. Ah. Uh, and yeah, I uh, you, you should definitely come. You should definitely come check out the restaurants. It's it's doing pretty good. Like I I I I'm fairly optimistic about it. 
Also, someday you will. I really need to stop with the, emo, with the, emo, with the emoticons. I mean, they have emojis now, and they look way better. And there's just this long string of just emojis. Anyway, uh, hopefully, see you soon. Love you, Corey. I don't think Samly would directly respond in any meaningful manner. It might just be like, uh, maybe he'll he'll send like just like an itinerary of when he'll be there. Yeah. <clears throat> and sure enough, uh, a little more time passes. You have your graduation. You uh, graduate in the top ten of your class. Hell yeah! I wish I could have done that in real life. <laughs> Yeah, same. Yeah. But uh, I went to too too big of a school to do that. <laughs> too then, big of yeah. a college. You have uh, some potential. Samley has some potential job interviews, various research grants, uh, ranging all from universities all across the PAC system, as well as some uh, private groups like Abadar Core with medical research, Edge Core, <clears throat> and a few others out there that just. Looking for, you know, private work, the private sector with research and development. And uh, you get to spend some time, more time with Corey. And the first thing you notice when you arrive back at Absalom Station, your brother's lost weight. He he looks gimped, uh, just skin and bones almost. But he has just this giant smile on his face when he sees you. Yeah, I I think Sam Lee would uh, <clears throat> uh reciprocate the smile, obviously, and greet him heartedly. And he would probably not make mention of someone's uh physical appearance, um, but he would definitely notice it, especially as a doctor. Mm-hmm. But and yeah, uh, Corey would just give you. I mean, you guys have been to Absalom before. This is where you had your undergraduate work. Mm-hmm. But he'll just probably give you a tour from the docking bay down to his shop. And like I said, it, it is located in the spike, which is a little bit rougher in Tumblr, but it's not in the lower spike. It's in a fairly decent looking place. And I mean, there's definitely, there's when you walk into it, there's, you know, about three or four people working there and probably good eight or nine customers sitting and eating. And, you know, it seems to be fairly steady. But uh, roll me a perception check as you guys are moving your way through Absalom Station. I can do that. A dirty 20. So as you're going through... um, you notice as you get close to the restaurant, which is named uh, Escar Got Your Noodles. It's a noodle shop? Yes. It's Hell a noodle yeah. shop. Escar Got Your Noodles. <laughs> and, uh, but as you approach, there's, you notice a couple figures, kind of a little way down from the shop who like when you and Corey pass they you notice they kind of stand a bit straighter and like they have eyes on you can't tell if it's who which one of the two of you it is but they definitely 
paying attention to the two of you mm-hmm. as you enter into the shop. But, uh, yeah, Sam, I mean, look, we're, you know, keeping fair and steady business. People are enjoying the uh, various types of pasta we have. You know, we let people, it's like I told you, you know, we have a little bar where they pick out the type of noodles they want, if they want any meat or vegetables added into it, what type of sauce. We're constantly experimenting with different sauces. Like we have, you know, 10 different ones that for people to try out right now and trying to find a couple more to sample out. Oh, it, it, it looks, it looks delightful. I'm, I'm so happy this is working for you currently. It just, it just looks great. It smells wonderful in here. <laughs> uh, yeah, here. Uh, and he sets it out and he gets you a nice big bowl. Here on the house, we can, you know, here, let's go sit in back. You, you can tell me all about your research, what kind of places you're applying at, you know? We can sit down and just talk. It's been so long since we've been able to sit down, just the two of us. Right, right. It's, I've been busy, I know. I get it. You had to finish your degree. And, well, I mean, I've been really busy with the store and everything, too. Oh, obviously, this, as I said, this is, this place is, Amazing! I my expectations were you've bl- you've blown them away. He kind of blushes and gets a little embarrassed. It's like, uh, thanks. I, I'm I'm really glad to hear that. I just uh, I guess just a relief to know that you know it looks good. Cause I know you've been worried about me. Like I know I dropped out of school. It's just it was hard to kind of keep up with it. But you know. Plus all the hey. salt. There's so much salt in cooking school. Like you have no idea. <laughs> Samly just he just kind of like laughs. I'm sure that's probably like a big running joke throughout like his whole decision to go to like culinary school is just like watch out for the salt. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> and let's face it, he has absolutely splashed salt, some salt water on himself on accident. Oh, while I'm, sure, I'm sure Sam Lee's been splashed accidentally <laughs> because of him. <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, like I said, I know I know you had that weird Soki approach you, and I really appreciate you co-signing that loan for me. It's just, well, I mean, this place was just so ideal, and I just needed a little extra money to be able to, you know, get into it. No, I'm, I'm more than willing to to help. I know, I know, uh, I know how expensive these types of ventures can be. Yeah, I knew you'd understand. And like I said, I mean, you're not gonna need a. I promise you won't be bothered by them again. I mean, I'm on top of the I'm on top of the payments. Don't worry about that. Good. I I mean I, I'm not worried for you. I think it'll be great. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> but we're not there quite yet. But uh, and it's a couple of days later. So while you're on Absalon Station, do you just go and? When you're not like sending out applications or doing interviews, are you just hanging out at the shop, or what are you doing while you're a little bit of downtime here between finding a job? I I think you know maybe he's got his uh you know portable computer laptop type thing maybe that he he just kind of posts up in a corner in the the restaurant there and just maybe just kind of hangs out uh you know and enjoys the vibe because now he's you know. Essentially, like a part-time investor, essentially. <laughs> a little bit. He doesn't. He doesn't really realize that. I. I don't know if Sam Lee, if that has actually hit him yet. But 
Mm-hmm. But uh, and so over time, as you know, you're there for a couple of days, you notice that the people, customers, kind of ebb and flow. There's you notice there's probably about four regulars who are in there for lunch every day. But dinner definitely seems to be a slowdown. There's just not a lot huge crowd during dinner. Like that one big crowd you saw when you first showed up, that was a lunch rush, and that's when they do seem to be a lot of money. But it's just not an evening spot. They have a couple people coming in and going, but nothing much. And they tend to close fairly early. They're only open till about eight o'clock stand, uh, station time. And it's probably the uh, third day that you're there when those two guys you saw who kind of perked up when you and Corey walked by that first day, they come inside and they go, they order some food. They spend a few minutes just talking and hushed and whispers with Corey who comes out to bring them up. Do they, what is, what is Corey's uh, demeanor towards them is it is it like wrong a sense motive yeah um hey i've got a really good sense motive when you have high intelligence um come on roll there we go not when you roll a three though (laughs) oh god Um, with that, you, I mean, you're, you're tuned into your brother's mood. He has a smile on his face, but he seems anxious. Uh, he's fake, but he's holding it back very well, but you can tell from his body language that he does not like seeing these two guys having come in. Uh, you're not able to get any kind of read on the two gentlemen, though. Okay. I think Sam Lee will just, he, pro- he probably would just acknowledge his brother feels weird about these guys, like just mentally acknowledge and then just continue. I don't know, whatever he's doing on his uh, personal computer or if he's just maybe he's he's probably doing some sort of reading or something like that. Mm -hmm. So we're going to move forward another couple of days. And uh, Sam Lee is had just come back, is on his way back to the noodle shop from having had an interview for a research grant at Absalom University, his old alma mater. Hell yeah. And when you get to the shop, you see that there, that Corey is, you're going in through the back door because, you know, Corey lives above and that's the way up to the apartment. And you step down the alley leading up to there and you see your brother on the ground. Uh, he looks like he's kind of wheezing as he slowly pushed himself up and he uh, looks up and sees, he's like, oh, oh, uh, hey, 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 Sam, I, uh, how, how was the interview? Are you? It was. Are you okay? Cor- what? What's going on right now? As he gets up, he sees that he has a black eye rapidly forming on his face, but he just kind of shakes and says, "Oh, I, I, uh, I, I slept when I was taking out the trash. That's all. It's, it's fine. Everything's fine." Uh, Sam Lee would. Can I? Can I do like a, a medicine check to see if this would be uh uh embarrassing fell on my face while taking out the trash bruise or uh somebody roughed me up bruise. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> get all these rolls out tonight. <laughs> yes, get them out tonight. Um no, it it's 
That's definitely a he got roughed up. Uh, Sam Lee, I, maybe Sam Lee carries like a, <clears throat> I don't want to say he carries like a med kit, but he probably like just comforting, maybe puts a hand up to uh, Corey and just like, let's, let's, let's go inside and I, I'll take a better look at this and maybe we can put some ice or something on that. It looks like it hurts. It's not, it, it'll be fine. I just, I, I have some spray flash. I can just squeeze it on real quick. I, I, I need to get back to the counter. I've got to do some more work. Uh, had had to let Kylie go today. Just, um, yeah. The one, the cook, but she was, she was doing so much of the work. Well, she, um, she was, I, it's, it's just a little, little bit tight at the moment with business slowing down. So, uh, there's, there's a couple of new restaurants that just opened up. And so I just, it's okay though. I'll, I'll be able to keep up with the cooking and everything like that. Okay. I just, I, I don't want you to be overburdened here. You, you have to remember to take this at what you can handle. Sam, I can handle it just fine. I, n- I know you can, brother. I'm not meaning to be overbearing. Sorry, I know. It's just... I- I'm sorry. I-, I didn't mean to snap at you. Let's let's just, you know, you can go help me with the spray flesh and then, you know, get back- I can get back to work. Come on, let's let's go inside. And... You know, time keeps going on along, and eventually you do get that job uh, working for doing some research for uh, Absalom University. It's just local stuff. You know, you are working on various new types of vaccines from different diseases that have been found and tracked back out in the vast from different starfinders, explorations, and things like that. Just try to help. They, you know, find diseases out there, they bring them back, and it's got to make sure that. Back system is safe, the Vascarium is safe, and things like that. And you're just working on helping to refine them and stuff like that. I mean, you've with, been... all the, with all the varied species and such, uh, it's probably a lot of a lot of variables when it comes to medicine and this uh, the pack world and mm-hmm. this area as a whole. And like I said, with all the exploration, like Starfinders and different crews do trying to find different plants to terraform, there's always something different coming back that has to be yeah. dealt with. And again, you are on your way home from a very long day at work, and you hear shouting coming from the kitchen as you approach the back alley. Uh, and just as you get up to the door, uh, you see a, an android shove their way out and walk out. Someone that you've seen once or twice around comes in and orders noodles, but other than that, you don't really know them very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Sam Lee would quickly push his way inside past the person. Confused, but... And Cowrie's there. He is cooking up a storm, and you can tell from like the set of his shoulders, he is furious. 
and just very upset by something. Like he, he doesn't even notice that you've walked inside. I think Sam Lee maybe like puts his bag on the counter where he normally does, and then maybe at this point, Sam Lee's kind of been helping with some of the food prep stuff. Uh, so maybe Sam Lee steps behind the counter and just kind of silently kind of starts prepping some stuff here and there just just to kind of help out because he maybe he just he's reading the room a little bit but he's not piecing together like full connection mm-hmm. and it takes a couple moments before like finally the knife chopping through vegetables and hitting the cutting board when Corey like twitches up a little like oh oh sam i sorry i, I didn't know you came home how, how's work you you know it how it is there's Something they brought in from one of the uh, the places the swarm been through, so it's just trying to investigate some of that stuff. But no, it's it's fine, long but fine. How how is it here? You seem busy. Yeah, we've we've had a small little rush, a uh, little bit of a crowd here for lunch, and I actually have a couple of reservations for uh, dinner later tonight. It's a, that's really good. That's 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 great news. Uh, what do you want me did you want what do you want me to prep for you? Actually, um Sam, would you mind can we can we talk later? I, I just I I appreciate the help, but I, I can manage and I, I just need some time to kind of clear my brain a little bit. Um can we talk later after closing down? Same Sam Lee would look he'd look kind of surprised shocked i feel like there's been f- very few instances where Corey's not accepted help uh but sam lee will just kind of quietly nod and maybe wash his hands and then grab his bag and be like yeah i'll, I'll you know you know where i'll be just let me know if you need help and it's a couple hours later when Corey comes trudging up the stairs to the apartment and he just Claps down on the couch and presses a hand up to his forehead and kind of rubs out his eyes a little bit. It's like, <sighs> how have the reservations go? They they went really well. Uh, it's there was a couple who had actually met here shortly after we opened. They decided they the they were uh, to uh, Yosoki <clears throat> to Yosoki who. Uh, they got engaged. It was, it was really cool, kind of romantic. We made them a special little cake dessert. Oh, that's... I didn't know you did pastries. That's great. I, I don't normally, uh, but I found a really easy cheesecake recipe. But So they liked it. How much salt was in it? None. I, uh, I found a nice little substitute, actually. It turned out really well. Samely just chuckles at his own bad joke. <laughs> uh, Sam, I, I, I hate to do this. I've, I promise I've been making payments, but the, the creditors, they're really fussing at me and they want me to start paying a little extra. I, I, I really hate to do this. I know you're just starting out your new job, but would it, would it be possible? Can you maybe loan me some credits? Just a couple hundred. I know it's a lot. Sam Lee would look like kind of surprised at the idea of creditors all of a sudden asking for extra payments. Um, 
but he's also still kind of naive in his own life. So he, yeah, yeah, Corey, I, I can, I've gotten, I've gotten paid already, so I, I can probably help you out some here. You, you've been helping me out here too, so I'll, I'll I can definitely help you. It's just this look of absolute relief just washes over his face. And he's like, "Oh, thank you so much. Thank you." I, like I said, I, I, they just want me. They just increase my payments a little bit, but it, once once we get this little bit extra, then I'll be able to keep back on top of it. Like I said, I haven't missed any payments, but they're asking for a little more each month now. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I, I got those same student loan payments coming out soon, so I, I get it. And we're going to fast forward just one last time. It's probably been, it's been about a month of this. And sure enough, uh, he hasn't come to you for money again, but there's definitely this tension to Corey constantly now. Every time you get to the noodle shop, you recognize a constant revolving door of uh, Android who came storming out of the alley that night. The Yasoki who had you signed the loan shark co-signer agreement and a couple other a human and a lashanta that you've seen around a lot that they always get food but you've started to notice lately they don't actually pay for the food Mm. they act like they are but they don't and then one night when you come home you notice the lights are all out the door is wide open. And as you go rushing into the kitchen, there's Corey on the ground to uh, bullet holes in his head. Uh, Sam Lee immediately goes to his whatever bit of training he had, I mean, not bit of training, his medical training, he just completely, like, flips a switch mentally um, and just just jumps to his brother who, at this point in time, he he's thinking of completely unrelated as being a sibling, and he's just I think he's separating and partitioning this moment in his life and he there's this moment of panic that sets in where he you know he's starting doing the basics that he knows first aid and maybe unconsciously he doesn't realize that he you know also calls for help medical support or something like that the absalon equivalent of 911 uh as he just he turns on autopilot essentially it's not a pilot, it's rather short-lived, because as soon as you start trying to do any kind of medical aid, it's, your brother's cold. It, it's been at least a couple hours since this happened. Uh, yeah, he he doesn't stop, probably. He just, he keeps just going through different processes and procedures in his head trying different things over that he he thinks he that things might work he he doesn't essentially he doesn't he's not given up 
And eventually an ambulance has come and, well, you're pulled off the quarry and he is declared dead. And a couple of days after that, you receive notice that you are now responsible for an absolute egregious loan amount. But there's a little addendum at the bottom of this notice that you are responsible for this loan that he had you co-signed for him. Saying that if you'd be willing to do some private work for an undisclosed amount of time, undisclosed purposes, that perhaps an arrangement can be made with you to clear the amount that you owe. Uh, Sam Lee would, he'd be hesitant getting out of uh, official work capacity, but he, seeing the amount and looking at his future, because research is at his level currently not a very lucrative field um he'd probably agree to whatever terms are offered and so dr samley to pay off this loan that his brother took out he goes signed against starts working for an organization that's not the most reputable around the clock of his normal standard research job. An organization that causes a lot of trouble for Absalom Station security, as well as other members of the pact, though mostly Absalom Station, you know, because they're a fairly small time, low down crime organization with connections to a bigger one. And he becomes essentially a mob doctor for the Hafergeck family, which is a part of the Golden League. That's, that sounds fun. Yeah. But uh, what comes of that is we'll just have to see because this is where we're going to end it for the night. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. <laughs> I made myself sad with what I wrote. <laughs> and then you made it worse. <laughs> Indeed, because, you know, that's that's what I'm here for. (laughs) Making it works. (laughs) Yes. But uh, thank you for sitting down with me tonight. No, thank you, Kay. This has been so much fun, and everything you've done so far up to now has been amazing, and I'm sure it's all going to go straight downhill from tonight. Uh... (laughs) I mean, it won't all go downhill, (laughs) hopefully. No, No, it's been... It's been amazing. I'm looking forward to every every. I wish our sessions were every week and not every other week, just so I can have more opportunities to play with all of you guys. Absolutely, I absolutely I love playing with you guys so much, and I just love the camaraderie. And you guys just all play off each other so well, and it's just so fun to see. Like absolutely, hands down, would not do a podcast with a different group of people. No, it's it's. It's been a total blast so far. Yep, and hopefully we'll keep it going for a good long while. I have plans. We got like, what, five more books for sure? (laughs) Yes. Five more books for sure. Although, like I said, I mean, there is a slight temptation to uh, just start new characters at level level seven with the second half. Hi. Yeah, I would. I would. 
there's lots of Starfinder ideas for characters I have that I would <laughs> I would love to try any single one of them, and I'm sure it, I hopefully I can do something the exact opposite of Samly and just cause all <laughs> sorts of trouble for everybody else. Yes, exactly. Stop. But that's for the future. All right, I will let you go now. All right, thank you so much, Kay. Thank you. Have a good night. Yeah. See ya. Thank you for listening to Dude Where's My Drift, an actual play podcast for the Starfinder RPG system. Starfinder and all associated art and setting is a trademark owned by Paizo Incorporated and used with permission, you monster.